1: The Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show is brought to you by who else? Blue Delta Jeans. The holy grail of blue jeans. The pair that fits you so perfectly, it's like they were made just for you. Because they were. Blue Delta Jeans is a Mississippi-based company whose one size fits one jeans are handmade in the U.S. to fit you and only you. Both Brad and myself have multiple pairs of Blue Delta Jeans, so trust us when we tell you your search for the perfect pair or pairs is over. Blue Delta Jeans caters uniquely to your size. You don't even have to visit Oxford to get them either. Simply visit bluedelta.com, bluedelta.com right now. Don't wait and see your virtual tailor. Go online to answer 12 questions and be honest. A Southern man should never ask a woman weight, height, shoe size to provide Blue Delta your measurements. And once you've made your selections, submit your order. And in just a few weeks, your custom made jeans will arrive at your door. As if you needed further convincing, Blue Delta jeans are the official jeans of Team USA in the Ryder Cup, and right now they're proud to offer their classic Indigo smooth denim jeans with the Ryder Cup logo on the watch pocket. So what are you waiting on? Blue Delta jeans are comfortable on the first wear, but will feel even better over time as the jean breaks in, and they're made just for you in Tupelo, Mississippi. So visit BlueDelta.com today. BlueDelta.com and use our promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC for $50 off your first purchase. That's BlueDelta.com promo code TOC for $50 off your first purchase. Your search for the perfect pair of jeans is over. Blue Delta Jeans, the title sponsor of the Talk of Champions post-game show. Ready? Ready? Wow, this game is over.
0: The Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show. It's
1: more fun than it looks.
0: With Ben Garrett and Bradley Sowell.
1: This is the Blue Delta Jeans Post Game Show. I'm Ben Garrett, at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sowell, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribed, review, talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do... Leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I'd write for the Ole Miss Spirit at omspirit.com to 247 Sports. Ole Miss is 3-0. Absolutely demolished Tulane on Saturday night. Surprise some, not Bradley Sal, because you said in your football fix on Thursday that that Oklahoma close call with Tulane in Oklahoma was more Oklahoma not being that good, maybe, rather than Tulane being a better team than maybe we considered them to be. Ole Miss goes out and puts on an absolute offensive clinic. It's offense, 12 possessions, nine touchdowns in the first half, a fumble by Henry Parrish, and a missed field goal as time expired in the second quarter at halftime, 54-yarder by Caden Costa. And it was there. It had the distance, just missed a little bit to the right. The offense could not be stopped. Didn't punt until late in the third quarter. It was a clinic, and Ole Miss showed why, again, it's one of the best teams, not only in the SEC, but potentially in the country, they made Tulane look like the lesser opponent, like you would expect them to look, and that's not a bad Tulane team, and yet Ole Miss put it on them, and that offense couldn't have been better.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that honestly, just, just all around a great, great team effort. Um, you know, and like I said earlier in the week, you know, I really went, I wanted to see, you I wanted to see the film. I really want to watch that OU game. Because, you know, there's not a lot of times you play, play a school like, like a Tulane where you're like, man, they almost beat Oklahoma, so I went and watched it closely. And um, you know, uh, Tulane's not a bad team, but they 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 weren't what that score reflected, and I don't think OU is is as advertised either. So I came into going into this game. I know a lot of people worried about it, but I, I thought we would comfortably win this game. I didn't I didn't think we'd beat them this bad, but um, but I thought it would be more like the Louisville score, and it, it turned out, man, we came out there fired up, ready, and shut it, shut it down pretty quick on on any worries with Ole Miss fans. We were able to pretty much score at will.
1: Matt Corral, with eight minutes left in the third quarter, tied Showboat Boykin for the most touchdowns in a game in school history with seven. At the time, was one of three SEC players in the last 25 seasons with two passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns in a game. Nick Fitzgerald did it twice. Tim Tebow did it once. The first player in SEC history, with three passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns in a single game, that's Matt Corral, the first player in SEC history. And I said this on Twitter, and I mean it. After three games, the Heisman front runner is Matt Corral, and I'm not sure it's close.
2: Yeah, i I watched the I watched the um, Alabama game today pretty close. I was in the Grove um, watching the Grove, and um, they, he's not better than Matt Corral. Um, I'm I'm telling you right now, and um, also watch watch a couple other games today matt corral what he's doing right now is is as good as any quarterback in the nation if not the best and and honestly man every other game you watch you don't see a guy producing like he's producing you have a really really good storm of of hey we have two hellacious offensive coaches and a really talented quarterback um that 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 is very very special man matt crow's starting to make some throws that are i mean they're, they're wowing me i mean he is he is putting it on the money um you know really really hitting the spots Throwing it with command, hitting it, hitting it in tight spots. I mean, Matt Corral is is, is having a heck of a year, um, and, and I, I just don't see see anybody else being being in front of him at this moment.
1: No, you can't. And I watched Spencer Rattler. There's nothing about what he's done so far that in any way puts him in the conversation as far as Heisman talk after three games with Matt Corral. Same thing with Sam Howell, who laid an egg in week one. He's been better the last two weeks. He was good on Saturday, but Matt Corral's been consistently good from jump, has still not turned the ball over. And I think the most impressive thing so far is the maturity he's shown in not forcing the ball. And we talked about this with the drop eight against Louisville in game one. He took the ball down and he ran it. And these were designed runs against Tulane, but still that, again, is a part of the maturation process. Not only is he reading the defense in front of him and making the right decisions, but that aspect of his game, which is underrated still, I think, his ability to really move with his feet and be pretty good with it, has now opened up. And they're designing and scheming for him because defenses are counting for as many playmakers as they can. But Matt Crow's legs is the secret weapon in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, Spencer Radler versus Tulane, three hundred four yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Didn't really do anything in the running game. You know, had eight carries for seven yards somewhere in there. They've had a common opponent, and not to mention ours was um, you know in a pretty rainy night. Matt Crowell goes out there and just shreds two lanes. So yeah, that that's not even close in, in that comparison. You're right, man. Um, he is it, Matt Krause is, is really good with his feet. Um, I mean, there's just so much to worry about in our offense. And, and you know, anytime they spread it out like that, and you have to worry about receivers going everywhere, you know, and, and the running back attempts run, that then all of a sudden you forget. Hey, I, I didn't contain the middle. Matt Crowd could take off on you, so. It's just so dangerous. He's, he is, he's very an, an exceptional athlete, which, which makes him just, I mean, I, I just don't know how you guard him. I really don't. Um, I don't know how you contain, contain him. Um, he's going to always put up the big numbers. The so offense is, is outstanding. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, is, he, he has got to be the front runner.
1: Ole Miss had 707 yards of offense against Tulane, but that doesn't even tell the story. They had 444 total offensive yards and a 40-burger at halftime. This was a clinic, an absolute clinic, on the 63rd play of the game. The first drive of the third quarter came the third corral rushing touchdown. As good as they could be from jump. What we talked about after Austin P was they, they seemed a little in the mud in that you could tell it had been a short week. They were a little bit tired, didn't have the same juice that we're used to seeing from them. And offensively, they were still really good. Defensively, we were hoping to see more of a Louisville effort Austin Peay. And I think we saw that. Now, there are a few bad plays, specifically the 39-yarder. It was a pass behind the line of scrimmage for Tulane and two broken tackles, and he's taking it 39 yards. That just can't happen. That was more in line with what we've seen from Ole Miss defensively the last handful of years. Acknowledging that you can't take those plays away, defensively, I thought they looked more like the Louisville effort than Austin P, but offensively, the juice that they maybe didn't have because of the short week, because of the lesser opponent with Austin P. They absolutely had it against Tulane. And it just shows that that stuff does matter. Getting a full practice week, getting a regular practice week. And now you have a week off, the off week, before Alabama. And I know you said this in your football fix on Thursday, that as a player, you prefer to keep it rolling. And after a game like this, I understand that completely. You would love for Ole Miss to just keep rolling and roll right into Alabama. But seeing what they got off of a Full week of practice and rest in a normal week, it is, in my opinion, somewhat of an advantage at least to be able to get that full week to rest up because you still had a few players banged up and out, including Jake Springer, out with a shoulder injury. Orlando Umana was back. He had three false starts against him. could tell that the rust was playing a little bit in there for Orlando Umana. But to get the full week, to have off, to rest up, coming off of this win, you look towards Alabama. And it's now the stage being set that we expected after three weeks. I didn't think anyone expected to be this impressive against Tulane, but now we know Ole Miss is one of the best teams in the country. It isn't about Tulane. It's about Oklahoma not being as good as Ole Miss. Ole Miss is one of the better teams in the country, and now they get to go toe-to-toe with Alabama in Tuscaloosa in one of the very best early season games of the year, and I think that game, win or lose, will tell whether or not Ole Miss – is going to push for Atlanta this year. Because I mean this when I say this, and I'm not trying to do the rat poison stuff or anything. This is the best shot Ole Miss has had to make a run at Atlanta since Eli against LSU his senior year. And this might be a better opportunity than that, understanding that Eli and that group only lost one SEC game. It happened to be the one game they couldn't lose, and that was to LSU. But this is the second best opportunity. And yes, they did have opportunities before. Fourth and 25, if they win that game against Arkansas, they go. But a few things had to fall their way. They control their destiny, and it starts with Alabama because this team is that good. Another thing real quick, before we get to your one big thing, helmet stickers, everything that's coming here in just a little bit, including Lane Kiffin's post-game audio. We said defensively, they didn't have to improve from the 120s to the 50s. It had to be from the 120s to the 70s to the 80s, and they'd win 8, 9, maybe 10 games. There's still some stuff to shore up. Chance Campbell was legit. He did it again. He led the team in tackles against Tulane, a 61 to 21 final. But defensively, they're where they need to be. Offensively, they're clicking. This team has the makings of one that can really challenge on their own merits, control it themselves, to go to Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm gonna say it with conviction. Um, I think I, I think you have you know I think there's four teams in the SEC. For the most part um you know and, and, I, and i think that you know you got alabama who today honestly looked looked really human i mean that they, they they showed they showed a the little bit of weakness yeah they're
1: good they're good for sure but you can they're tell good. that they're, yeah, great. they're vulnerable they're great, a little but, bit
2: but there there's some stuff they're they're working through and i can tell you right now coach saban isn't happy with, with some stuff going on there um you know florida florida Any, okay. anything Georgia, in particular Atlanta, you're
1: talking about though with alabama
2: um, I, I just think that, um, you know, to, to me, their offense is, is really, really good, but, but they kind of, they, they, they got through some little laws throughout the games where, where they struggled to execute, you know, and Florida started getting after that quarterback, um, a little bit today. And he got a little bit rattled back there, um, which was, which is, you know, this is the first time he's, he's really probably faced that, that, that kind of competition. And, um, yeah, you, know, you just to, to to me I I feel like that they they showed that not the typical Alabama that can get in the game and 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 really close it like they have in the past. Um and, and Florida got out there and got after them a little bit. There's some weakness there's some holes in their defense as well. I mean, they they they're, they're certainly not as good up the middles as they've always been. Um I I just I, I think there's an opportunity there. You you'd, have, you'd obviously have to play well cuz they do have elite athletes, but um not it's not impossible. I'm going to tell you that right now.
1: No, I agree with that completely. It's it's far from impossible. I think about it like this. You remember back under Hugh Freeze, and I'm not trying to bring up Hugh Freeze for anything but this. You know what it was like as an Ole Miss fan to go into every single game where it got to the place where you believe Ole Miss could win that game. didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter. You believed Ole Miss could go in and win. And Ole Miss is back at that place. Last year – Against Alabama, they had a great show, and against Florida, they got beat up really really bad defensively, but still offensively, you saw some things that were positive. Now, building on top of that, knowing they're a good team, you think going into every single game that they can win. So, yes, Alabama is still Alabama. No one's degrading Alabama. Everyone knows Alabama's going to be good, and Alabama's not going to make mistakes. They're not going to hurt themselves. One-on-one, one offense versus the Alabama one defense, one Ole Miss defense versus the one Alabama offense, which is obviously an advantage for Alabama, it's not so large of a divide anymore. And that's something we talked about when Matt Luke was still head coach, wondering if they were making progress by just making it competitive again. Remember, we were talking about this for so long. Can they just make it competitive? How far off from Alabama are they? Well, now they've made up the difference. Now, Alabama's always going to be the elite, the standard They're going to be at the very top of the shelf in the SEC. That's always going to be the case as long as Nick Saban is coaching and bringing in the very best talent. But Ole Miss this year, just basing it on this year, not past history and what the future is going to be, just looking at this year, Ole Miss can make a realistic case after three games To saying we and we alone are the best team not named Alabama in the SEC. Georgia has a case. Florida had a case, played Alabama really tough, Auburn's looked really strong so far, a great showing at Penn State. But Ole Miss has done everything it can possibly do through three weeks to impress you and make you believe that they are, at least in the West, maybe Georgia is the number two. But Ole Miss has got the best quarterback in the SEC, maybe the best quarterback in the country, certainly the Heisman front runner through three games, and it's not close. So Ole Miss has a case, too, and now – it's not crazy to say Ole Miss is going to go to Tuscaloosa with the early advantage in the SEC West on the line. Because you look at the schedule, and I hate everything about that Liberty game, but there isn't a team after Alabama that Ole Miss isn't going to be favored to beat. Even Texas A&M in that really good defense. Now, they're probably not going to win 11, 12 games. Probably going to go 10-2, and 9-3. and three. But I'm trending more now towards... This team can win double digits. This team can compete. This team can beat Alabama, get the leg up, and go to Atlanta. And we knew they had that potential. And through three games, all they've done is meet that, meet that belief that they can be that team. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, I would agree with that, man. And, and like you said, you know, you look at our defense, and it's still not great. Okay, there, there's still some issues. They're still getting up, you know, some some explosive plays, but they aren't. As bad as they were, not even close to as bad as they were last year, and right. that was the one thing that, that that we felt like, hey, if they just improved halfway, they would be a 10-1 team. And think about if our defense was where it is now in that game last year. Ole Miss wins that game at home; they they, they really do because they could not stop Alabama one bit. So you know, and then then I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, the offense is better this year than it it's was. Better, last year. it's more well-rounded. It's not even close. It's not even, clo- it's yeah. not even close. Yeah. I mean, they they are doing a lot more. Offensively than they were last year, um, and, and it's quite different to be honest with you. So um, it, it's just a—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm telling you, I think that um, I think I, we're not going to say people are going to be surprised, but I think I think next week is going to be a, a heck of a matchup down there. And um,
1: or and two just, weeks, two weeks, you mean two weeks? Yeah, yeah so, sorry,
2: yeah, yeah, two two weeks from now, it's going to be a heck of a matchup. And know, yeah, we're going into it healthy. Should have everybody back, and um, I mean, I Ole Miss is going to have a real shot down there.
1: They're going to. It's going to be a long two-week wait, especially after how they performed against Tulane. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin, then it's time for Brad's Big Thing.
3: Well, I commend you guys for staying that long. So, you know, I usually come up and, you know, kind of worry about what we didn't do right and that stuff, and obviously there's always stuff to fix, but, you know, you're probably going to struggle to believe what I said all week. Okay, that's a good team that we played. All you got to do is watch the Oklahoma film, and I bet they go play really well the rest of the year. So, you know, for our guys to handle some adversity about, you know, starting warmups and stopping and lightning and all that, and then to come out and play, you know, so well in the first half, you know, I think six touchdowns and really seven drives besides the, the last one running out of time, it's pretty cool. And really proud of our defense, you know, to go Them to go one of 11 on third down, and they got good players, and they're really well schematically coached on offense. I was worried about that because they give you a lot of conflict plays. So, really happy with what our defense played. And you're going to win a ton of games. You run 94 plays and 707 yards of offense, first 56 and 305. And I think somebody said school record of 41 first downs. I'm not sure. I've been around first downs in the 40s, so, and I think 25 in the first half. So I'm not throwing those out just because those are stats. Those are really, like, deserved stats. You know, when you have that many first downs, you're playing really well with a lot of people for an extended amount of time. It ain't just like, you know, you're hitting big plays. So proud of the guys, how they did that. Wish we didn't have a bye but because we're playing so well, but it is what it is. You know, we'll look to get better during that. You know, get Springer back on defense and, you know, get ready for some really good teams.
1: I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about your opinion of Matt Corral's performance tonight. I mean, he was lights out.
3: Well, I've kind of been pretty positive, as you know, about him, but also, you know, trying to keep him from all the rat poison. And, you know, kind of expected he would play like this just because he's off the charts talented, like I've said before, top ten pick. And but now he's the work ethic that he's putting into the preparation. And, you know, we had a moment last week, I think I said in one of the interviews where, you know, in the game, we were up by a bunch. He came over. He was mad. We were audible in a play, you know, and the receiver didn't get it. And he got mad at us. And I was like, that's pretty cool when you take that step. You're that into the game, up 30, 40 points, you know, and you're going to get on the head coach, you know, about audible. And, you know, that, that you're, you're at an elite level at that point. And then he shows it. You know, I didn't even realize it was four, but seven total touchdowns, four on the ground. You know, and those things aren't designed. We're not trying to run the guy this much. You know, when they close, he pulls it. So, ideally, we would not like him running, getting hit that much. Probably left him in one series too long. Um, But it was just still so much time left in the game.
1: There was so much talk this week coming in about how good Tulane's offense was. Just what did you see from your defense that was able to you know, score less in the second half and then just a couple of touchdowns in
3: the first half? What did you see from your defense today? Well, we limited big plays. We did great on third down, which has not been the case since we've been here. Um, you know, they scored on, you know, a pick route where they'd where they pick the guy. So, um, you know, the refs missed it, and that happens. We try to do the same thing. So. Uh that's why the guy was so open, but outside of that played really well. should have had another pick in our hands that would have stopped a touchdown drive, so we still got work to do. We still missed tackles in the back end. I think Jerryon had a hundred yard game just he seemed to kind of be kind of lost in all the corral stuff, but just your initial thoughts of what you saw of him tonight. I thought he did play really well, Um, you know, a lot of yards after contact, which he's a speed back, so that isn't necessarily the case. I thought he ran physical. Um, I thought outside of Henry's fumble, those two guys, you know, um, did some really good things. You know, Snoop's – Snoop. Those those guys – Snoop always runs through guys. I thought those guys really tried to run physical. And we had talked about that a lot in pregame, you know, really finishing these guys, not letting them hang around. Because they've been noted as a second-half team, so get those extra yards when they're there.
0: Obviously, a a two-hour delay. Um, Does
3: does a does a delay like that change the game plan or the way that you are going to approach? You know, going out there. Yeah, I think it's you know, with experience you go through things as always. They, if you, you know, learn from them, they help you and it's like being a veteran player. So, being different places, you really helped us on that. This was for Wilson and I, you know, this happens all the time, lightning delays down there. We had a number of games, and so we had extra food ready for them. Um, you know, we change uniforms at half, you know, with so much rain. We don't over-warm up just in case you get stalled again. So, you know, and we, we use the indoor in a non-SEC game. So. Um, I think our experience there helped that because we certainly played really well from the start.
0: I guess since it's topical, I just
1: want to ask you what your thoughts are on, on a football team that started off season playing very well with the open date looming ahead. Do you like
0: open dates? Are they advantageous or what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're making your own schedule, you know, I would never put one this early because that's not usually banged up enough. And so you usually want it later, but it is what it is. And, you know, we'll utilize it to get players better that haven't played as much. Uh, We're not really at an injury point. We've been fortunate to be really healthy there. So a lot of times you want it when you get some guys back. I think really Springer would be the main guy in that area. So, it is what it is. Can't change it. You know, we talk all the time about worry about what we can control. We certainly can't change this date. Who do we play after this date? I haven't looked yet. Yeah,
1: kind of going off of that, big picture, just through three weeks, is this what you expected to see from your team for what you saw from them through the summer, or did anything kind of catch you by surprise at all?
3: Well, I think if you would have... if you. Put collective this three and and then put the scores collectively in the yards. And, um, and you just looked at it from that standpoint. Yeah, I would, I would definitely take it. I think that, you know, that would show us much improved on defense. It would show us staying explosive and balanced on offense. Again, I know everybody thinks we are a throwing team, you know, you know wherever we've been, but we're in the ball 61 times for 372 yards. So, um, it's good to be balanced. You know, when you're in a lot of games when both runs and pa- running and passing is over 300 yards. Going off the weather delay, can you just talk about what the team did throughout the week to prepare for the weather conditions and if it helped? Uh, we didn't do much during the week for it. Um, it was more just managing it, you know, because what happens is we don't know how long it's going to be. They give you 30 minutes and then there's another strike within however many miles. So, you, know, you think it can be down? It can be down to like three minutes, and you're getting ready, and then you're back thirty again. So just kind of talking guys through that, and, and don't get too warmed up and too excited, and you know, just kind of stay even keel. And I thought it was a different note. I thought it was really cool. You know, Keith sent me the video. You know, when we were in here of the fan, the student section out there in the rain. You know, for however long that was, that was really cool, and. um you know, I showed it to a few players. That's why we put the video out. But then we all, you know, for them to see. But then also, we took the whole team down there. You know, just to thank the ones that were there. You know, told the player these guys sat here for six hours. You know, to watch you and stay at the end. It's pretty cool. Just curious. After seeing Caden try and kick that fifty-four yarder, just how
1: much confidence do you have in him distance-wise? What? sort of distance would you let him try?
3: Well, when you're end of a game and end of half, you know, when you don't outside of it getting returned or blocked, you know, the risk is different than when it's not the last play of the half. So, that stretches it, but that's about where we would have been in general with him. I actually thought it went in, so um, obviously it didn't, but it, it sure looked from where I was at that it had the distance, which, you know, is pretty
1: One, two, three, let's go. Brad's big thing. All right, Brad, what's your big thing? One big thing from Ole Miss's 61 to 21 win over Tulane?
2: Well, my, my, my big takeaway just from watching the whole game, um, let's talk about Ole Miss's offense tonight. Um, they so, so they come out in the game and, you know, you can tell, you know, it's raining a little bit, raining a lot, honestly. I mean, I was soaking wet by the time I got from the Grove to, to my actual seats. I'm um, pretty soaked out there, but but the, the, the offense they ran tonight was, you can tell they went in and had a game plan for for the rain for Tulane, and they used this jet motion to start the game, and they used it they they used it perfect man I mean they, they used the jet motion they did everything off this jet motion they either handed it off or they ran a little bubble screen or they ran an inside zone and they worked these three or four plays multiple different ways down the field. And that kind of set the tone, man. In my opinion, like like we showed, like, hey, okay, we're we got a really smart coaching staff that that is prepared for, for, for you know at it, bad situations or, or adversities to say the least. Um, you know, we're going to come out there. We're not we're not just people think okay, Ole Miss is they're going to throw it down the field, whatever. We came out and showed we we're going to run the ball and pound them right away. And um, and man, I feel like that first drive was just it was just such a tone setter. It was something different than than what we had come out doing all year. And I feel like that was the one thing that set the tone for the day, man. I mean, they, the offense, I mean, they he really married up his scheme so well. I mean, you didn't know it was either going to be that jet sweep, a heavy inside zone, or he was going to throw a bubble pass or something along the lines of that. And it was, I mean, they just ran these four plays the first drive and just absolutely pounded them. I think that sent the message. I think that was the one big thing tonight that, that they kind of got Ole Miss going and, and provided some comfort in, hey, you know, we get it, guys. Tulane played Oklahoma well, but you're stepping into the, to the, to the stadium of one of the best teams in the nation, and um, we're going to set the tone early on, and that, that was my big takeaway from the game.
1: They ran 11 plays, 75 yards for a touchdown with their first drive. Nine of those 11, after passing on first and second down, were runs. And it was capped by Henry Parrish, who bursted for 19 yards in the first touchdown of the game.
0: On the ground, Parrish inside the 10 end zone touchdown rebels and a coming off of almost two hours of rain delay the slick field conditions that we saw there matt corral going down all favor the offense right now moving this offense, extending it east and west, and then going north and south late in the drive. That defense you saw trying to get their feet underneath them and struggling against the speed.
1: They came out on a wet night knowing, like you said, they had to establish the run. They always look to establish the run. There's this false or this misconception, this false narrative, that with Lane Kiffin's offense, it's pass, 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 pass. And they had 63 plays or something crazy, I think, midway through the second quarter or midway through the third quarter and that would lend itself to the belief that they pass, 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 and keep passing. But Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. And this is a team that always wants to run and has three running backs well, four, actually, if you can't control both, you can't see the field that can take over games. And Henry Parrish turned out to be the hot hand in the, in the first drive, but then he fumbles, and it's Jerry On Ely and Snoop Connor. When they really want to just finish off games at Snoop Connor, when they want to change things up, it's Jerry On using him like he did Lane Kiffin, Devin Singletary at FAU. Or Kenyon Drake at Alabama. You just see that while yes, Matt Corral's the focal point, and yes, this passing offense is always going to be among the very best in the country. Top three, top five nationally, on the ground is where it starts. And that's something that people just need to sear into their brains. It shouldn't surprise anyone when they come out, especially on a, on a wet night like it was on Saturday, and establish the run and hold to it.
2: Ben, this is this is where I this is where I'm most impressed, and this is where I, I want I want fans to really appreciate the staff, at Lane Kiffin, um, you know, Lane Kiffin and Levy together. Man, you talk about a, a, a staff that that can take the, the talent that they have and really produce. You're talking about a Lane Kiffin offense that really thrives on using the tight end. Our tight ends haven't caught for more than probably 25, 30 yards in, right. in the first games. He completely just took that, that whole element of his offense and added it this whole running with the quarterback, all these sweeps, all this different stuff, you, you're just – that's what great coaching is. Hey, man, we don't have a tight end right now that we think is – can carry a load like that. I don't care. I'm going to come up and I'm still going to put up 600 yards by using what I have. And to me, that is – I mean, dude, that, that's why I don't worry about the, the the days of Ole Miss worrying about going into a two-lane game and playing close. That's over. That's over in, in Oxford because we have a staff that, that, that can take what they have and, and make it great, and it's just – heck, we didn't have a tight end. But to me, that's the craziest thing that this dude uses a tight end in his offense very heavily. And then you look at the tight end's production over the last some odd years, the last two or three years, um, one of them winning the, the tight end of the year award. It doesn't matter. Hey, we're gonna adjust. We don't really have one right now that can carry that kind of load. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my, my three good running backs that I have with you know, with my good receiving I mean, just to me that's that's just super impressive. It just shows what we have here in Oxford and and as a fan base we should appreciate it.
1: Well, one thing that sticks out to me. When you speak about the tight ends, you're absolutely right. Harrison Bryant is an NFL player because of Lane Kiffin. Kenny Yeboah is is in the NFL. He's an NFL player because of Lane Kiffin. And in the offseason, they could have had Trey Berry, who's been good for Boston College. They could have had him. But they had certain spots available, available spots for transfers, and he prioritized different spots, specifically linebacker Chance Campbell and another one, Orlando Umana at center. And, yeah, he had a little bit of a rough night against Tulane with the penalties. But blocking-wise, he's been every bit as good as they hoped he'd be, a step-in spot starter ready to go. He looked at his personnel, saw the need was at offensive line. While well, we were all looking at tight end, and that's an obvious hole. He saw center because Ben Brown's going to right guard. I want to upgrade there and I have Braylon Sanders and Jonathan Mingo's doing this, and the Ontario Drummond's been great, Jerry O'Neillie, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish, give me the offensive lineman, and I'll just take what I've got at tight end and whether Casey Kelly is available or not. I'll take the best blocker because that fits what I'm doing right now offensively, which goes back to something you and I've talked about for so long since Lane Kiffin was hired. Lane Kiffin's offense is adaptable to his personnel. It is not beholden to a particular style, or particular personnel, or concepts, or anything. That's what the best offensive minds in football can do. They can take what they have and win with it. And very few in college football, I don't know if you can really put maybe one or two, and even then, I would argue, are better than Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy together at maximizing what they have. And they've proven it with this offense. Because everyone came into the year, how are they going to replace Elijah Moore? That was by design. Lane Kiffin told Elijah Moore when he got here, you're going to break records because he looked at what he had offensively and said, well, yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy. So he designed his offense for Elijah Moore. When Elijah Moore leaves, he doesn't go, oh, my God, what do I do to replace Elijah Moore? He just changes his offense or tweaks it just a little bit incrementally. And now offensively, they're better this year than they were last year, at least through three games. There's a long way to go, a long way to go but you can't deny the production so far. And a lot of that has to do with decisions made in the offseason, including not taking the tight end, taking the offensive line, and looking at what he had, surveying what he had, and going with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's it's been a remarkable job. And I think you, you look at, you know, obviously it's spring and all that. So they, they're they're just having to really learn their guys. And they're just using what they have, man, and using it very, very well. And, and I will say this, we don't have Elijah Moore. We don't have the A.J. Brown. But, man, our receiving core, we have three really good receivers. And – and, and a bunch of other really good pieces around them. So I mean, this, this offense is—I'll take this offense all day over over the one we had last year. The one last year we, we knew where the ball was going mainly two spots. And Alabama's had to prepare for so much because we came out there tonight and really spread it out. Um, you know, really use two different run concepts that that we haven't really you know, we, we use them, but not not with this, this jet motion. Um, you know, open up the bowl. And hey, Tulane didn't cover the back very well tonight. And he just exposed it right away. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like it's just, it's just just a remarkable job by the staff.
1: No doubt about it. And one thing we've been talking about from the get-go is how good Ontario truman has been. He came to this week the only player in college football, according to Pro Football Focus, with a 90-plus grade through the first two games. And he scored a touchdown, his eighth straight game, the longest active streak in FBS on Saturday night against Tulane. But he was kind of bottled up for what he's been doing. He had five catches, 55 yards. Jonathan Mingo's season is officially here. Six catches, 136 in a touch. Braylon Sanders finally got on the board with a big game. He'd already scored, but four catches, 74 yards, one touchdown, a long of 45. Henry Parrish caught two for 39. The distribution, it went everywhere. When we say well-rounded with this offense and why it's better than last year and why they're more of a threat this year than they were last year, you saw the makings of it. And you were one of the very first people to call it. You called it really early how good Ole Miss offensively was going to be and how they were going to be competitive in every single game they played last year. You said that, and I scoffed at it, rolled my eyes, and yet that's exactly what they did. And all they've done is build on top of that. And a couple other things, too. I don't want it to be lost. Tulane is not as good a team as it showed against Oklahoma, and Ole Miss is far superior to Tulane. They're better than Oklahoma, too. That's obvious. They've got a common opponent, and we saw what happened. And I think have always played Oklahoma. Right now, they've beat Oklahoma, but this two-lane team has been 500 or better in three straight years. They've gone to three straight bowl games. They have three SEC championships, more than Kentucky, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, others. And it started, of course, with the first touchdown. But Ole Miss again came back, scored on back-to-back drives to open the game, jumped ahead 13 to nothing, and that second touchdown was every bit as impressive as the first.
0: Quarterback draw, touchdown, Matt Corral. from the backside here. We do send pressure, but watch 55 and 0. You're going to see two defenders end up in the same gap for Tulane. When you're dealing with an offense at this kind of speed and you get out of your gap assignments there, these athletes don't need your help in that time. A mental mistake from Tulane on the pressure.
1: Now, last week, one of your big points of emphasis in your big thing was penalties and almost had 9 penalties against Tulane for 65 yards, and that's not good. It is an improvement. But that was a very low bar to clear. Nine for 65. I think the penalties that are really disturbing or should be worrisome are the hits out of bounds. Tyler Knight did one. Mark Robinson did another one. I don't want to say it's undisciplined football. Never want to take away the aggression, the energy of those players, right? I don't, I don't want to knock them for that. But those are plays against better teams like in Alabama. If you really want to compete and show your mettle against Alabama in two weeks, you can't have those, and while they did improve, that still has got to be cleaned up.
2: Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing: They're, they these guys are playing really hard, man. And this this team is—they've got this the offense, defense playing really, really hard. And, and you, know, I respect that these guys are playing hard. But yeah, you're right. It's just it's some of these, some of the silly penalties have got to stop. And you know, it's 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 good to happen in these first three, three games. They get a whole bye week to kind of evaluate and and really emphasis emphasize on it. And like, hey, listen, we're going to Alabama. And you got to think in your mind, this is for, this is for a trip to Atlanta. I know it's only the fourth game of the year and there's a lot of challenges ahead of us, but you mess around and win this game. It, you, you have Atlanta right in front of you, you know, you, and, and they have to go on there and know this, got to play a, play a good focus, have your eyes open, um, you know, be very focused in the game and, and let, let's try to play good, smart football with good technique and give yourself the best chance to win. And, and it's not going to be with late hits and penalties, play hard, but hard and smart.
1: Let's hand out some helmet stickers.
0: We're we going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers.
1: All right, Brad, your first helmet sticker goes to who? I'm gonna
2: give I'm gonna give my first helmet sticker to, to Mingo, man. I mean, um, Mingo came out, had um, had a big game. He had two really really big big plays. One was, you know, obviously a long, long catch, and then he made a great play where it was just a, I think it was like a little, little stop route right over on the left, and um, you know, really caught the ball with some good awareness. The guy came to hit him low, and he just kind of hopped over him. He kept his feet and ran for a big play. So, um, good, good, good night for Mingo. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see him. I think he's really maturing. Um, he looks much better than he did last year, and I think that we're, we're, we're turning into having a three-headed monster at wide receiver. We have three really good receivers out there, and and it's nice. It's nice that he kind of came on tonight.
0: And then last week, dropping 69 on Morgan State, Corral's going to take a shot downfield. He's got.
1: Again, Jonathan Mingo, six catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown along of 50. Set a career high in receiving yards in the game. We've been calling for it. We've been begging for it. The Jonathan Mingo breakout, and it's happening. It's happening in real time. And he said last week he believed that Ole Miss had the best receiving core in the country. And when you hear that, initially you want to go, ah, well, this team, that team. As far as production goes, he's got a point.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, listen, man. They're three experienced guys. All, um, all, all at times have had their moments. That they can, they can all mainly Sanders and Mingo can go deep, and um, you know every, every one of them plays a really really cool role. And um, you yeah, know they're really coming on and just just showing some some good progression. And it's um, it's it's really cool to see, and it's helping Crowell out big time.
1: Are we looking at three next level wide receivers right now?
2: Oh, all, all three of those guys have potential to go to the next level. There's no doubt. I don't know how high, um, you know, you, that time will tell that. But um, all, all three of those guys can be very productive receivers um, at, at the next level if they keep working.
1: Man, Mego looks really good. My first helmet sticker goes to Chance Campbell. Eight total tackles, which led the team. Two solo tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hurry. He's every bit as good as he was billed to be. And I watched Kentucky – on Saturday. and Jacquez Jones, he played well enough. They barely beat Chattanooga, but it goes back to something we talked about in June when Jacquez left, and that was the leading tackler for Ole Miss last year. He saw the writing on the wall. Chance Campbell, he came in and immediately took over the room. His voice became the loudest in the room. He was handpicked by DJ Durkin, and it's crazy what happens when you put playmakers in the middle of your defense, and Chance Campbell's the best playmaking linebacker probably since DeMarcus Gates, at least, but I would put him above DeMarcus Gates. This is a linebacker that Ole has been waiting on. He has an extra year of eligibility, but now he's already on the NFL draft radar. He played really well against Tulane. He was the spy, again, against a running quarterback in Pratt, who while you look at him, you think, oh, that's not a running quarterback. He is, and he actually ended 10 of 18 for 166, two touchdowns, but his rushing totals were 11 for 37 for a 3.4-yard average. He ran for 18 yards. This is long, but Chance Campbell was spying on him all game, and he had absolutely nowhere to go for the most part.
0: On third down, Pratt to throw. He'll try to run. Takes a big hit after a pickup of two. Fourth down.
2: Now, we told you he's tough. He bounced up quickly, but two-lane, three and out. Yeah, again, all all over the field. Um, you yeah, know, really, really commanding the defense. I think, um, you know, I think what's cool about about Campbell is, you know, not only does he play hard and make plays, but I think he really helps out in that leadership and kind of lining guys up role, which is really important in a defense. And yeah, man, I mean, he just keeps making play after play. He, he's all over the ball. Um, you know, and one one thing I look at too when you watch a guy play, is um, you know, Bruce Arians used to always say, "Defend every blade of grass." Every blade of grass, and, and you know, a good example of, of what kind of guy he is. You know, the guys running in end zone, um, and you know, it looks like he could have let it up, made an obvious touchdown, but he hustles across the field and makes a hit, and the guy ends up being out the one. Now they scroll on the next play, but but my point is, hey, I'm defending every blade of grass, I'm selling out on every play, I'm not giving. You never know what can happen, and a guy like that, man, good things and good plays happen to a guy like that who's always you're going after the ball and playing, playing no matter what, you know, not giving up easy touchdowns. You know, good things happen to guys like that. And there's going to be a time this year and I'm calling it right now. There's going to be a major moment where chance Campbell's going to be your Johnny on the spot. And it's going to be a difference in us winning and losing a game. I'm calling it right now. At some point this year, it's going to happen.
1: Your second helmet sticker goes to who? So low
2: key, quietly Tashim Johnson, man. I mean, how, how about the freshman in there, man? I mean, he's, he's been, been getting some tackles every week. Um, you know, playing hard, um, j- just been a just been a solid player. I think I think we're going to have a potential four year, you know, starter guy. You know, that that that's going to contribute and be a really good player here. And he's he's been in there and he's been hanging. You know, you wouldn't even know Tashim Johnson was a freshman. He's out there just doing his thing. You know, so let's let's give him one.
1: Absolutely. Three games in a row, quietly, I don't think Ole Miss fans know this, he's tied for second on the team in total tackles. This is the third week in a row, the true freshman. Five total tackles against Tulane, one solo. He's just around the ball, and he's really active on special teams. And I know Ole Miss, special teams-wise, he gets overlooked. It's always like that. But the difference in the talent that they're running out there on special teams compared to years past – It's night and day, and Tyson Johnson is active on special teams but also making an impact in the defensive secondary. He deserves some credit for what he's done through three games, and it's been pretty quiet because you just don't see him come up in live action all that often, but in the box score, he's popping off. I mean, he absolutely deserves a helmet sticker. I'm going to give one to Dontario Drummond. Shocker, that's my guy, but I'm going to give one to Dontario Drummond. Yes, five catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. His eighth straight game with a touchdown reception. That's the longest active streak in FBS. But he also scored a rushing touchdown as well. Um, snapped his streak of consecutive 100-yard receiving games. That ends at three. But Ontario Drummond keeps coming up big when Ole Miss needs him to, without a doubt so far, one of the very top options for Ole Miss offensively.
0: There's Drummond. As the edge tiptoes the sideline, touchdown Drummond. Just too much speed. Watch Snoop Connor on the edge here. The running back leading out in space and then bam, gets the hit right there to level the defensive back and open up a great lane for Dontario Drummond, finding the end zone, skirting right past it again.
2: It's getting to the point where they're really starting to watch out for him and and all of a sudden I'm going to try to bracket or, or, um, you know, really try to shut off, you know, Drummond's part of the offense. Well, hey man, how about that post to to Mingo and and to Sanders? So, tonight you know almost hadn't really been been you know going been able to go downfield because they've been playing this drop eight well Tulane, more or less try to shut down the slot tonight well look out over the top you almost know, can beat you in multiple different ways so um yeah it, it was it just goes to show you why teams play as in drop eight and Tulane decided not to play as in drop eight and um you know look what happened you give up you give up long touchdowns
0: about playing the position corral launches it downfield he's got sanders another Touchdown for Ole Miss, 60. We knew Dontario Drummond had been the name so far, but everyone had heard Braylon Sanders and all that speed. You're gonna look, pull the offensive lineman, get everyone to buy up. So you get one-on-one on on the backside. No safety help there for Jalen Monroe, who's a great cover corner for Tulane, but that's just too much speed without any help because of the great play fake up front.
1: Your third helmet sticker, just give it to Matt Corral. We've gone this long, give it to Matt Corral.
2: Uh, I mean, listen, there's there, there's no other. I mean, you have to. I mean, he, he was about to set the school record for for most touchdowns in a game, and um, you know, we you can go on for days talking about how how good this kid is, and I mean, he's he's a Heisman front runner. He's getting a helmet sticker if I had to guess, um, if this keeps going on like this, it's going to be um, Matt Crowell's going to get an automatic helmet sticker and we're going to pick three other guys. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, it's either, I'll give Matt Crowell one, but also give a shout out to, um, you know, I, I watching Tyler Knight. Listen, man, the, the, the kid flies around and like plays with such passion for being such a small guy out there and, and just being one of those guys who just wants to be on the field, don't really care. Um, I can respect that because I've, I've been through that in, in, in my career. And man, I, I watched him multiple times tonight, and he's, Dude is dude is inspiring out there so I'll give him a little shout out you know I, I know I don't know what he what he did in the stat sheet but but you can't really put a, um you know put a price on what he's doing out there to help the attitude of the defense.
1: He had 3 tackles, 2 solos. He's listed at 5'7" 170 and that's being generous. And yet he is absolutely bringing the wood when he's hitting. He's head hunting out there. And yes, he had a late hit out of bounds. Can't do that. Got to stop that. But, again, I don't want to take away the aggression, the energy, the juice that that kid brings because you see it. And, man, he pops off. He's putting such good film together. And and it's such an easy comparison to make, but he looks like Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton was a little bit bigger than him, and Mike Hilton has never been big, still isn't big. But you see that kind of comparison with Tyler Knight, and he deserves it. Everybody remembers the recruiting story, lightly recruited, added very, very, very late. I think the last weekend before signing day, that February, in his recruiting class – He comes in, not a lot of fanfare, Um, actually a lot of people that were kind of scoffing at the idea of bringing him on, makes the move from running back to defensive back, and now, yeah, the size is always going to be an issue, but that kid, he's giving himself a shot, and no matter what happens next, as far as the next level, Tyler Knight has maximized his ability at Ole Miss, and he's giving Ole Miss something that it doesn't have, and that's juice in the second team. Big plays in the backfield, disruption. That's what you want from a headhunting defensive back in this time of the night. But about Matt Corral, I've already said it, but it bears repeating. The first player in SEC history with three passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns in a single game. That is just absolutely insane. And there was a lot of discussion online. Why is Matt Corral still in the game up 61-21 late in the third quarter? Why is he in there? I can tell you right now, Lane Kiffin was hunting for that eighth touchdown. He wanted his kid to set the school record. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't mind it. I really don't. If he gets hurt, God, it would have been a meltdown. But he didn't. He didn't. He gave him a shot. He got his one chance, and then he pulled it.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, certainly if there's a record on the line, I can, I can understand that. And, um, you know, it's just its just one of those things, man. Kevin's going to play it the way he wants to play it. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we're at the, any of us are in the position to be questioning him.
1: I'm going to go against convention here and give a game ball to Lane Kiffin. He said before the game earlier this week, Tulane was like an SEC team. Spencer Rattler, after playing Tulane, said Tulane was one of the toughest teams top to bottom we've ever played, one of the hardest we've ever played against, and they made them look like a cupcake. That offensive scheme was absolutely insane. I think they had 63 plays through the first drive in the third quarter did Ole Miss. They had 444 total yards and a 40-burger at halftime. These are video game numbers we're talking about. Of course, they went for it on fourth down. They were four for four on fourth down. The fourth one was when Ole Miss was up. 40 inside their own 30, fourth and one in the third quarter. They went for it. They got it. I love the aggression. I love the philosophy. I love just everything that Lane Kiffin is bringing. The fired up party atmosphere. It's raining. It's pouring down rain. There's a two hour rain delay, lightning delay, and yet. Ole Miss fans are staying in the stadium. The adults are in the concourse. The students are in the student section. And it was a party vibe out there. He gets it. He cuts a promo, a wrestling-like promo, with John Rice Plumley in the tunnel of Vaught-Hemingway Stadium during the rain delay saying, we see you. The party's out there. Always going to be a party in the SIP. Hang out. Have fun. We'll be there in a minute. And they come out and put up that kind of performance after two hours of a rain delay. And we didn't get any of the Ed on taking y'all in there and making y'all practice during the rain delay. He just let them chill, and they went out there, and they took care of business. It's so simple. It's like the Matt Corral thing. We could give a game ball to Lane Kiffin after every game. Same thing with Matt Corral. But I'm giving one to him because I feel like tonight was unique with the rain delay and the whole atmosphere being what it was, the opponent being who they were in Tulane, and maybe some nervous energy because a lot of people look at Tulane and how they play against Oklahoma and say, oh, this is a mess, you know. And that defense last year in this game, the Ed probably been like 26-21 at halftime. Not this team, not this team. And Lane Kiffin is not in any way that we are Ole Miss guy. He's going completely against whatever Ole Miss has always been to you. You can believe in Ole Miss being different now, and that's because of Lane Kiffin. He's not afraid to go for it. He's not afraid to take chances. And Ole Miss is reaping all the rewards because of
2: it. Yeah, outstanding job by him. Um, yeah, I just think he's getting better and better. Um, yeah, and I said this yeah. earlier. said this earlier. I mean – He's just he's just so smart and and it, they don't it's like they line up run the same plays every week you know it's a different there's a different flavor every week and that that to me is is you know that that to me just shows like man this whole worried we are Ole Miss moments that uh, he, they were past that and I think Ole Miss fans can comfortably get out of that mindset because of moment. Lane Kiffin no doubt about it man I mean you look at tonight I mean we line up and. He's got he's got everything real spread out. He's got the sweeps working. He's got all the screen not screens. He's got all the little um, you know play action off the sweeps that are quick to the flat, which they weren't covering the flat very well. So expose that earlier. Lined up, let them know we were going to run the ball. A um, lot of inside zone, lot 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 of misdirection inside zone. Um, just outstanding stuff, man. And then, and then hey, what I'm gonna do? This our whole little when we spread it way out. And use Matt Corral's legs. I mean, dude, it's, you just can't stop it. It is what it is. And, and it's all because this coaching staff is, is able to adjust and just kind of from week to week kind of add their own flavor. And, and Alabama will have, have some new wrinkles in there as well. And um, man, I mean, just dude, can't say enough about, about the preparation and, um, and how well prepared the staff is.
1: Olmes had a school record 41 first downs in that game. 41!
2: Yeah, it's it, it. It looks different. It looks it, different, man. It, it does. It does. And I and I watched a bunch of games today. You know, I actually actually got to go to Grove, did the whole thing, watched a bunch of football, and it just looks different, man. I'm telling you, it, it there, there's no one in the nation producing offense like we're producing, and um, and I I just I, I think I think we keep rolling. I really do. I mean, it, do we do we stop other teams? I don't know. I mean, I think I think we'll do well, but I don't think we're stopped either.
1: Ole Miss came into this game. Second in FBS with 59 plays at 10 plus yards. They got a lot of them. It gets too late. I didn't count them up. I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, but they continue to roll. So, Lane Kiffin, you get a game ball. We know who won the week, but we're going to talk about it anyway.
0: We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Who won the week?
1: Matt Corral won the week. He could probably win every week, but he absolutely deserves the credit for winning the week this week.
2: Yep. Outstanding job. I mean, uh, we, we can we can keep we can go on for days on Matt Corral man I mean kind of kind of ease his way in this game like hey let's check out the field let's check out the situation you know not going to be throwing him to come out this first drive you know, make a throw or two I think he, I think he had a, a stop or or, or some kind of slant to Mingo over there to, to convert a couple passes to the flat you know kind of started out um, in, in my head when I whenever I watched that first drive I was like well he's going to be a heavy run game he probably put up crazy stats well. Dead gum By the time the rain stopped, you know the the dude's going for a seventh touchdown and um, you know three hundred some yards in the air. So, um, yeah, I mean just outstanding job by him, and um, I, I think he's he's for sure for sure the guy.
1: My favorite Matt Corral play of the game. It, it should be the Braylon Sanders pass because that was a dime. But my favorite play after Miles Battle, who deserves a little bit of a hat tip, almost had an interception tonight. He recovers a kickoff return fumble by Tulane. And then Corral scores his fourth rushing touchdown. Let the world know he's the Heisman front runner.
0: Corral will keep it. He'll try to run for it. Hurdles. And he is in. Four rushing touchdowns. He's put up video game numbers tonight. Ole Miss has a bye. If he plays well, like he did last year against Alabama in two weeks, he is moving to the top of the Heisman conversation.
1: So now that we know what we know about Matt Corral after three games, we've said it, he's the Heisman frontrunner, could he pretty much plant his flag as the guy, the guy to beat, win or loss, with a good performance against Alabama?
2: Yeah, I think so, man. I think that, um, you know <sighs> – a good performance versus Alabama is going to take him a long way. The only problem is the other guy at Alabama is, is one of the candidates and right. you know how that goes. I mean, it's, these these guys are, are loaded with, um, with talent over there. And I feel like they, I feel like they're going to have candidates every other year, but, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, you win that game and he puts up numbers. He is, he's by far the, the has trophy candidate. And I think he, I think he wins it from there on out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that, um, you know, it's certainly going to take a good performance versus Alabama, and and you know you'd like to get the win there. But, but even though if if he outperforms the um, the other guy, I think that it'll still still be there for the taking.
1: I think he has three showcase games at Alabama, Texas A&M at home, and at Auburn. I think those are the three biggest games for him as far as showcase for the Heisman.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, there's yeah, yeah, Arkansas. There's there's a case for Arkansas. They're they're really coming on strong as well. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, I think, I think Auburn for sure. I think Auburn, Arkansas, man, if he could, those are two games last year that, um, that, you know, re- re- really, presented him with some problems and, um, you, know, you come out this year and you kind of put those to bed, which I think you will. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he's right there in the mix, man.
1: We'll get rid of the whole Heisman discussion real quick. If he just puts up the numbers that he's going to put up, where does he stay as far as the greatest quarterbacks in all Miss history?
2: Dude, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. If he keeps doing what he's doing, I, I think he's, um, you know, I, I always, I always said Chad Kelly was was number one that had the greatest performance, you know, I'd ever seen in an Ole Miss uniform. Um, and and I will say this: it is hard to compare compared to the older guys, but um, he he wins the Heisman. He's he he would be the best quarterback. He's the best. Yeah, he he would be the best for sure. Um, now it's a different game. I mean, it certainly is a different game than, than when Eli was here. Um, Eli's for sure the best quarterback to ever play here as far as, you know, going on to the NFL and all that, which that speaks for itself. But, um, you know, yeah, Matt Corral would be – I mean, he would 100% be the best quarterback if he wins a been
1: And almost run off campus because of Rich Rod and his archaic offense. But that's neither here nor there. If Matt Corral continues on this pace and ends up numbers-wise where he could, it's Chad Kelly – Eli, Archie, Matt Corral. All right, let's go around the circle.
2: Around the circle.
1: That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Going around the SEC. Kentucky beats Chattanooga, twenty-eight to twenty-three. Missouri beats Southeast Missouri State, fifty-nine to twenty-eight. Tennessee, fifty-six to nothing, over Tennessee Tech. Texas A&M, thirty-four to nothing, over New Mexico. Alabama, thirty-one to twenty-nine, over number eleven Florida. Arkansas 45 to 10 over Georgia Southern. Mississippi State loses to Memphis 31 to 29. Georgia 40 to 13 over South Carolina. Auburn loses to Penn State 20 to 28. Central Michigan can't hang with LSU 49 to 21. Go the Tigers. And then Ole Miss, 61 21 over Tulane. And Vanderbilt loses to Stanford 41 to 23. What have we learned about the SEC through three complete weeks?
2: Well, I think there's three weeks, you know, you got, um, everybody knows it's, it's Alabama sits at the top, but you know, today, today I feel like was one of those days where like, you know, they, they showed they showed some weakness in there where the, where that they're, I don't think they're nearly as good as they were last year. And I, I think that's, that is obvious. Um, that team last year was, was arguably better than the LSU team the year before. Probably, probably was better. Um, they're nowhere near that. They're nowhere near, near what they were last year. Um, you know, and then, then I think, you know, Mississippi State. I mean, brutal. Uh, they, they, they're brutal. I mean, I, I don't think Leeds lasts as much more than than this year. Um, and then, then, you know, Auburn. Auburn looks a little bit better. Um, but it mean, but all in all, man. I mean, I you look around the SEC. I, I think you can put Ole Miss. I, I, I like us versus Georgia. I don't think Georgia can stop us. But I think, I think, I think we're top three.
1: The only concern I have watching games are those teams that can run straight at Ole Miss. Auburn, Arkansas is another one. They'll give Ole Miss problems because even against Tulane, they were giving up some chunk plays on the ground. And Ole Miss is better up front. Quentin Bivens has been really good. T. Tisdale hasn't gotten enough credit for how good he's been setting the edge and being good in the run game. Uh, Chance Campbell, obviously, is a linebacker. He's going to be an all-league caliber player by the end of the year. When you look at teams that can really run the ball and come right at you, that could pose a problem for Ole Miss. So when I'm looking at the other West contenders that could really – come at Ole Miss for number two behind Alabama. And Ole Miss could be number one if they beat Alabama. They would be number one. But it would be Auburn and Arkansas, at least from the eye test so far.
2: Yeah, but but I think once we play those teams, <clears throat> you know, if if they're going to do that, there there will be adjustments you can make in the defense, especially if, if you don't feel like they're going to just absolutely shred you up in the passing game. So, you know, I think Louisville tried that early on on us, which Louisville is not as good as some of these other teams. But – um, you know, we are doing a good job of stunting, stunting the line, and, and bringing some extra guys to the party. And um, I, I think there will be a way to, to slow, to slow the guys try to run straight at us down. And I think we will we'll be better at that this year. And I think it all starts with Chance Campbell. Um, having him in there is going to be be extremely helpful when it comes to to the teams like to pound us.
1: Which team is the class of the SEC East? Is it Georgia or did Florida impress you enough against Alabama? Fell behind 21 to three come back to lose 31 to 29, but that's just Dan Mullen doing what he does. He does not beat teams in the top 10. Um, And Florida, while they look good, they don't look like Georgia. Is Georgia really the class of the East? And is there a close second? Is Florida a close second to them?
2: Yeah, I think Florida and Georgia are are pretty close. Um, after watching them today, Florida, Florida's got some, they got some, some decent defensive players, man. They're, they're, they're not bad. They really aren't. They, um, them and Georgia will be a a good game. I think Georgia would win it by a touchdown or so somewhere in there. But um, I I think, I think when you look at the end of the day, Georgia is going to be in in Atlanta.
1: Depends on who they play Ole Miss or Alabama. Would you take Ole Miss over Georgia right now?
2: Yeah, I I really do. And I I, I just don't think Georgia has the firepower to keep up with us. The only way Georgia beats us is if they line up and, and really try to run all over us and actually succeed at it. But the end of the day i just don't i don't see them stopping us i don't and and, and where, where my comfort lies is this um and, and this is where my comfort lies for this week going down to alabama as well as um man lane really knows kirby and and um nick's defense it's and, and talking to these coaches um you know knowing, knowing the offense coaching staff pretty well they're very confident about planning versus alabama so um, that's that's where some of my comfort lies this week. I, I'm excited to see it, and um, I, I just think that um, yeah, I, I think they really know what Nick doesn't like or what bugs them, and um, I, I think we'll be able to put up some points down there. and I think we would do the same versus Georgia.
1: Texas A&M has a really good defense. Would you take Ole Miss or Texas A&M right now?
2: I, I would still take, I would take Ole Miss. I, I think A&M has um, yeah that Colorado game kind of told me what I needed. I just don't think offensively they have. Um, you know that they have the firepower to keep up with us, and you know defensively,, you know, who have they played? You know, not, not nothing, nothing crazy to date. so um, we'll we'll see once they face a real offense.
1: Let's open the mail back to answer your questions. Mail time. Mail time. Oh, mail
0: time. The, the mails here. You've got mail. Special mail for you.
1: This is a letter to Hollywood saying,
0: "Keep it up! Movies are great."
1: First question from the Ole Miss Spirit Message Board comes from Ole Miss three thirteen. Ask Brad if we'll beat Alabama by three or four touchdowns.
2: <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, you know, I, I I don't know, man. I, I'll just I'll just say this about about the Alabama game. Um, I just said it a second ago. I, I think the comfort in that is is how well Lane knows Nick. Um, and Lane's a very smart guy with, in all accounts, you know, everybody that's worked with him says the guy's just a genius. Um, you know, I feel like he's going to know how to get after Nick a little bit. I mean, you got to think Lane's got some NFL experience. Lane's a legit offensive coach. Saban knows that Saban will be worried this week or the next couple of weeks. He, he'll, he'll be worried about that game when we play him. And I just think that, um, you know, don't be shocked if you look up and it's the fourth quarter and and it, and it's either tied or, or Ole Miss is right there in it, you know, trying to make a drive to win it. So um, I, I just think it's going to be a really good matchup down there. Um, it, it's hard to say, you know, predict to a win just because I think it's fair to say that Ole Miss still hasn't faced a, a, a high-caliber team. You know, I think they faced some okay teams, but, but um, you know, I, I just – it's hard to say what we really, really have until we face, face Alabama, and it's hard to put a prediction on it.
1: What do you think the line will be?
2: Yeah, I know. I, I think they'll probably – I think it'll be like around uh, – I think they'll be around seven or eight, somewhere in there.
1: W.F. Doro, how is your little girl doing, Ben? My oldest Gracie broke her arm this week. She was at tennis lessons, but she wasn't actually playing tennis. She was just walking, and unfortunately for my baby girl, who I love dearly with every fiber of my being, she um, inherited – her father's clumsiness, and she tripped over her own feet and broke her arm, her right arm, her writing arm, in two places. But now she's all casted up, and she's on the road to recovery. So thank you for asking. She's doing better, but that's what kept me out of pocket for the last couple of days. She had to go to have surgery on Friday, but she's doing well. Old Blue One, Ben, Brad, is this the best offense in the country?
2: Well, undoubtedly. I think, I think, um, I think there is nothing that we can't do. Um, a, a, every, every week we've been balanced, you know, run the ball. Well, um throwing it, throwing it unbelievable. I just think that, um, I think we got the Heisman, Heisman front runner quarterback, um, with an unbelievable offensive staff. And, um, I just think that, um, I, I I've watched a lot of football and it just, nobody's you know, producing this kind of clip and this kind of creativity. Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I, I don't see it being slowed very well.
1: Ole Miss Red 97. Do you see this defense holding Alabama under thirty or thirty-one points?
2: I think it's going to be. They're going to get their points on us. They're, they really are. They're they're a good they're a good um, you know good defense. I think I think where where we're going to be better is we're going to have a chance to get some turnovers. We're going to have a chance to actually stop them. Um, you know I think there's going to be opportunity to get after this quarterback. Um, where Alabama is, is different is, is their lines. You know, that I don't think they're quite as dominant on the O line and, and on the D line as 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 years past. Um that was evident today. Florida was getting after their O line pretty good. Actually got some really good shots on the quarterback, and then, you know, Florida's running up the middle on them quite a bit, and that's not, not something you see. Um but yeah, I think I think that's that's gonna be the um gonna be the difference right there.
1: Rebel one, does it surprise y'all how little we've used the tight end so far this year?
2: Yeah, I said it earlier. That, that that's a big thing for me. I, I waited. I waited. So I noticed it the first two weeks. I didn't call it out. Um, I, I knew this week. It, it's it's just it's just obvious that that's not going to be a huge part of our offense this year. But I go back to this. It goes to show you how well we can adapt and how we can take what we got. This is what a great coach does. He takes what a, what a team's got, makes it work, and not only does he make it work, we're better this year. That's what's crazy. Imagine whenever Hudson Wolf becomes developed into what what I think they, they think he's going to be. And we add a guy or so, and we add the element back in. It just keeps getting better and better. And, I mean, it's kudos to the staff, man. They You wouldn't even know we don't – you you would never know that all, the tight end was a huge part of the offense last year because we got there and we're still producing at a high clip. And it's – you know, it is what it is. Lane has what he has, and that's what he's going to score with.
1: MKG Rev question, has Kiffin saved JRP plays packages for Bama that we will likely see next week or in the next two weeks? correct you there mkg rep at crucial times or is jrp just caught up in a numbers game now in the wide receiver room clearly if we're saving plays it isn't hindering the offense but curious on your opinion
2: well i i think that this this is where we're at with with jrp okay and and i'm a little shocked too but but not 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 super shocked this is a learning year for him he's not really a part of this offense he's not a main part of this offense I, i i think that um Kiffin's got him a few spots, you know, return some kicks, kind of, you know, some little stuff like that to keep him kind of satisfied. But I, I think when it's crunch time, he's he's just not going to be in there. He really isn't. He really isn't getting there in the first quarter most of the games um, on offense. I just don't think that um, that he's. I, I will say I was a little wrong. I just don't think he's going to be used as much this year. Um, you know, you know, I just don't think he's a huge part of it, and, and, and rightfully so. You look who's out there and who's producing. You have three really good wide receivers. Three really good backs I mean there's just not who, who are you going to play him over you, there's just no one to play, play him over at the moment and this is a learning year for him and um, you know I, I fully expect that he stays with it and keeps um you know, keeps going with it he will he'll, he'll get his time
1: dm Harris seven, if the offense and defense are playing the same number of plays, why does the defense wear down and not the offense
2: um I mean I, I just think that um, you know playing offense in general you know the o line doesn't doesn't run sideline to sideline. Um you know the receivers do do a lot of running, but you know the the defense every player is running sideline to sideline cover and on top of hitting um you know tackling to the ground every every place. It's just it's just a much more exhausting um exhausting you know presence what they do. You know they're all covering down. So I just I think the defense wears down a, a lot quicker than the offense, which is why after 3 or 4 plays, you know they're rotating guys in and out whereas you know, an O line kind of stays in its box. Now it's tough and physical, but you know, defense is 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 much more tiring.
1: R downs nineteen eighty three. Is it just me, or is this a sneaky good defense? If you take away the seven after Parrish's fumble, it would be fourteen after three quarters.
2: Yeah, I think it's a much improved defense. It's a normal defense. I mean, it's you know, I definitely didn't think we were going to go from you know the worst in the nation to hey a top twenty five defense, and that's certainly we don't have that. Yeah, you know, there's still some holes in there. We're still giving up some plays, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not a total disaster. And that that's what we've been dealing with over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, this defense can either get after the quarterback, man. Like I text men in the game and I said, Man, Sam Williams is really developing. If you don't have a plan for Sam Williams, he is getting after your quarterback. And and tonight he was chipped, he was double teamed a lot tonight with a bag, which is helping other guys get free. So yeah, I mean, I think there is um yeah, I, th- I think it's certainly a much, a much improved defense. And if you underestimate them or sleep on them, they can definitely get some turnovers and They can definitely get after
1: you. You also texted me during the game. Ben, screenshot this text and save it for the board. We will beat Alabama this year. So just let you know where Brad's head was at during the game. D-Hawk <laughs> Reb, number one, how's Gracie? She's doing great. And I told Gracie once she got back from surgery how the Ole Miss Spirit message board were asking about her and praying for her and she thought that was the coolest thing in the world, that a bunch of people that she didn't know, old Miss fans on Daddy's site, were wishing her well and praying for her. So y'all are the best. Thank y'all for caring about my oldest. She's awesome, and uh, she's the voice you hear saying, helmet stickers, and all that stuff. That's crazy, and uh, she's fun, man. She's really cool. Number two, still have offensive line mistakes to clean up. How do we do that?
2: Um, you know, I watched your line closely tonight, and 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 I, and I did that because of, because of Kiffin's com- comments this week. I kind of want to see where he was coming from, and you know what there, there there is some there are some issues out there man there 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 are some a little bit of inconsistent play up there now they are playing hard i will say that and, but but there are some mistakes in there which which you know makes me wonder if you know them switching their line coach whatever is causing a little bit of um confusion or or, or they're just not used to used to the way they're being coached or whatever but um there there are some mistakes in there there's a little bit of holding going on um you know, there there there's there's some just straight up getting beat, um, which you know that happens in football. But you know, I I think they're I, I don't think they're bad at all. I don't think they're they're playing great. I think they're just playing average. I think they can step their game up, um, just a little bit. Going, you know, once you get versus good opponents now, you know, you had broker. I don't know if he slipped or what. He got beat pretty bad tonight on a sack, which is which is not common for him. And um, you know, they're, 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 there's a little bit of slippage in there, but I, I think they'll get it cleaned up. Number three,
1: can we stop Alabama?
2: I, I that that's going to be the test, man. I'm just like everybody else. I, I think they're going to get their yards on us. I really do. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on us decent. Um, you know they'll they they'll make some plays, but the question is, can we get can, can we force a couple turnovers? You know, I think I think we'll I think we'll we'll certainly force them to punt a, a couple times in there. But um, I think we are have to get some turnovers this week. I think we have to really get after them, and um, you. Know, I, th- I think it's going to have to be more of a bend but don't break defense um you know you're going to give up some yards but let's not make it let's make them earn it um you know let's get after. them let's try to get off that quarterback and um and then create a turnover too
1: number four from d hawk rev what do y'all eat late night before slash after a podcast i do not eat late anymore i have gained too many lds i got off our diet i'm not eating late anymore
2: yeah i tried to eat late but um you know tonight i did have a um I think my wife made some sausage or, or something when we got home. We um, we actually had a night to ourselves. We got to drop the kids with my parents. So Uh-oh. We were co- <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. So we, were, we had a fun fun little day. So we actually did eat late tonight, which was sausage, uh, some kind of sausage and cheese or something.
1: A lot of sausage eating over there. All right, Burger Rebel, what is the rationale behind not kicking the ball through the end zone on kickoffs? Is it analytics?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that, um, you know, and th- th- this was, it was, this started happening to us in the NFL. People feel like they can stop you before the 20. So it's worth taking your chances on, um, you know, either one, get a turnover or, you know, two, hit them, hit you know, inside the 20. Um, so I, I just think it's, uh, you know, kicking it short is, is the thing now, man. I mean, I think people, people want to take their chances and make them return it. Um, and, and you feel like you can get down there if you if you get out there after them quick enough, you know, you can, you can stop them inside the 15, which will, which will be huge.
1: P-Mag, is Matt Brown the best Ole Miss punter of all time. He's really darn good. One of the plays of the game was his punt that pinned Tulane. I think it was inside their five. It bounced perfectly right before the goal line and bounced back. He's awesome, man. And the best thing is he doesn't have to show it very often. That means he's great.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a good punter, very good punter. Um, you know, I, I will say I played a season one time where we had more touchdowns and punts and um, more. I that. That's going to simply potentially be the case this year as well.
1: Matt Smith, do we know if the recruits on visit stayed for the game with the delay? I don't know. That's a question better asked of Yancey Porter and David Johnson, but we'll find out. David will be back on Tuesday, and we'll do another recruit show just for that. Lauderdale co-reb, where do you think we should be in the polls after going 3-0 the way we did?
2: Um, I, think, I think they're going to beef us up this week. I mean, I, so I will say this. Cincinnati's ranked eighth. Oklahoma's ranked, what, two, three, somewhere in there. We would blast both of them. I'm telling you right now, we'd blast both of them. So I, I see us, they're probably going to beef us up there and put us up a decent, I'd say, probably in that, in between, anywhere between 10 and 13, somewhere in there. So that way the, the ratings for this game are, 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 are kind of shot up there. So, I mean, I, I just see us I see us moving up quite a bit.
1: Rebel 1, will we hit the transfer portal hard for a starting quarterback next year?
2: Mm, uh, I think so. I, I, I think we'll... I think we'll find a guy. I mean, I know, that, and I think that they're going to do that for for one simple reason—to create competition. Um, you know, you just don't want to go into the season thinking you have your guy, and then, then all of a sudden it turns out not to be it. You know, Luke Altmaier have a shot, but I think that, um, you know, I think Kiffin's going to try to supplement, um, you know, a year or two before before Arch gets there.
1: Matt Smith, I saw UCF's quarterback Dylan Gabriel has a broken clavicle from the last play of their game today with a new quarterback coming in for the rest of the season. It seems like he may be an option in the portal next year. What are your thoughts? Absolutely going to be an option. Whether or not he's the best option, we'll see. I don't know if he's necessarily good enough to step up to this level, but he'd certainly be an option. He would fit the offense. So I'm with Brad. I think what they're going to do is bring somebody in that can compete. That's the biggest thing, just creating that competition with Luke Altmeier. MKG Rev, Brad, what is the explanation for Umanis three offsides in the first half as the center? Very unusual.
2: Yeah, that that is unusual. It tells me there was something, um, some confusion with the snap count or potentially some gamesmanship by, by Tulane. A lot of times those guys, and it is illegal to do this. But a lot of times you'll struggle with guys that, that, that are, that are you know, trying to talk or, or act like they're doing snap counts or trying to get you to jump. But, yeah, for a center to be doing that's odd. It, it, it just tells me that, that there was some kind of confusion in the cadence, um, you know, which was making him probably lean back on his heels a little bit.
1: Flying underscore rev, the offensive staff gets two weeks to game plan for Alabama. What is your bold prediction?
2: Um, I, I think we're going to put up a lot of points. I think it's going to be very similar to last year. Maybe a little bit lower scoring. Um, th- think that Florida-Alabama game today, it's going to be somewhere in there with, with, with one of the, you know, with I'm hoping Ole Miss on top. But I think it's going to be something similar to that Florida-Alabama game today.
1: Duncan, 10 is wrong with Luke Altmeyer? I can't remember, Golly, It's a minor injury. He was stressed out. He just didn't play. He wasn't available. But I don't think it's anything serious. And did you hear Tulane almost beat Oklahoma and lost by five points? What does that say about Oklahoma? That they're not that good. PMAG. Why did the ESPN announcers for the game have a love affair with the fact that the two-lane quarterback was homeschooled? I have no idea. Was that something that they were dwelling on? I don't know. Uh, I don't what know. a I weird would. thing to kind of be uh, grabbing onto there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I would not watch the game at the house, so I, I definitely didn't hear that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting.
1: RJ Reb, why is Corral limping? I didn't see that. Did you?
2: I did not. I didn't see him limping. Um he may, he may have been just walking with a, with, a, with a pimp swag.
1: Oh, I like that better. Rebel rabble. Is Matt the best we've ever had, and why is the answer yes? On this pace, yeah. Almost 1970. When you saw Oklahoma struggle with Nebraska earlier today, did you know then for sure almost would win easily tonight? I certainly did. I'll be honest with you. When I watched that game, the first thing I thought was, Brad was right. It's more Oklahoma than Tulane. And I told somebody, it was funny, I didn't go to the game tonight. I was with Gracie by myself, my wife. She was preparing for her brother's wedding, so she had to go buy a dress. So I covered the game from home. Gracie and I go eat at El Agave in New Albany, and I walk in, and a bunch of travel baseball teams are in there, and three of the guys sitting there with their team, the coaches, I guess, the parents at least, they stared at me and had this weird look, and I was like, oh, crap. These are state guys that recognize me. They're about to talk some shit or something. No, as I'm leaving, I meet them, and one of the guys goes, hey, ben, are we are going to beat the crap out of Tulane tonight? I'm like, uh, to be honest with you, and I never say this publicly, I know that they competed with Oklahoma, but I I think Ole Miss is about to beat the brakes off of them. I got 45-28 to because I stole it from Brad. I said this exact thing to him. I stole it from Brad 45-28, to but honestly, I don't think it's going to be close. So I feel vindicated now because that Oklahoma game, when I watched it, kind of played into it. And, yeah, I went into this game expecting Ole Miss to dominate, and they did. It it completely eased any kind of concern I might have had watching Oklahoma against Nebraska because it pretty much confirmed what you said that it was less about Tulane and more about Oklahoma just not being very good.
2: Yeah. I mean, whenever I went back, so, so like I said, I, I went and try to watch the film and like, you know, try to really watch that game and see kind of what was going on. And it was definitely more of Oklahoma than, than what Tulane was doing. Um, you know, game really, that game really wasn't that close, but, but Oklahoma just wasn't, um, you know, they, they gave them a lot of stuff and, you know, Tulane, they got some guys on film, but they certainly do not have what we have. And, um, I wasn't I worried about it too much. I thought the, um, the minus 14 spread was, um, you know, I hope people went out there and hammer, hammered it and are enjoying their, enjoying their earnings tonight.
1: They didn't have quarterback one. Spencer Rattler is not quarterback one. That is Matt Corral. After three weeks, it is Matt Corral. For the 2022 draft right now, hands down, QB1 is Matt Corral. Last one, WSMR 25, overall impression of the defense's performance, scale of 1 to 10.
2: I'm giving them a solid six, you know. Which last year they were last year they were a one and a half or two, so you know they they've improved really. They've improved a lot, but you know we do not have a world beater defense. So I think that people just need to put their expectations on. Hey, we have a defense that can make stuff happen at times. Um, We do have a decent pass rusher. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's it, it is much better. It's it's not a complete complete weakness you know they they're, they're not they're not, definitely not a not a major asset but they're they're definitely not a liability this year
1: Olmes tied the sec record with their 41 first downs matt corral accounted for seven scores tying a school record 23 of 31 for 335 rush for 68 on 13 carries jerry on ely Led the Rebels on the ground with 103 yards on 15 carries. Jonathan Mingo had a career high six catches for 136 and a score. Chance Campbell led Ole Miss with eight tackles. Sam Williams each recorded a sack with Chance Campbell. After giving up 226 yards of total offense in the first half, Ole Miss pitched a second half shutout while the offense continued a record setting. Day sixty-one to twenty-one over Tulane is Ole Miss moving to three zero in the year. No post-game show. Obviously next week there's no game, but we'll be back for the Alabama game. And Brad will have his football fix next Thursday on the Thursday edition of Talk of Champions. If you haven't already subscribed be Talk of Champions at iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Just so simply search Talk of Champions, um, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music. Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Search Talk of Champions, we're there. I write for the OMS Spirit, OMSPirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports, the best omus coverage around. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe and go check it out yourself. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you in two weeks.
2: See you, bad Hadi toddy.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.